Welcome to the M3 Bear Essentials Podcast. My name is Malcolm Travers. Each Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, I host a YouTube live broadcast and invite the editors and contributors of Mail Media Mind to present a topic of their choosing. We discuss politics, social issues, especially those facing the black and LGBT communities, entertainment, mental health, sexuality, and relationships, or whatever makes the news or makes us mad. View the show recording live to ask questions or comment in the chat. Subscribe to M3 on YouTube to get a notification when we go live. You can find links to our YouTube page and other social media platforms at mailmediamind.com. Now, enjoy the show. Others live. All right. Welcome to this week's edition of the M3 Hangout. Mail Media Mind, unifying the Black Bear community through dialogue and knowledge. I am your host for this week, Derek Jones. And today we're going to be talking about masculinity and hyper. With me is uh, Xavier Spann. Hello, everyone. How y'all doing? Chris Impact Sutton. What up, though? And Mark O. Estes. How y'all doing today? Before we launch into the full out toxic masculinity that is um seems to be a very big deal these days uh i'm mark and mark i'm gonna i'm gonna let mark do this quick announcement because i know he wants to it touches on entertainment but it goes again to um masculinity and male tears and some shit that's going to be dealt with in the pop culture world. Go ahead, Mark. Yes, for all those who know me and Derek, as y'all can see, are big Doctor Who fans. And today was the big announcement of the 13th Doctor. And the Doctor is now being played by Jody Whittaker. Yeah, I said Jody, Not James. Not Julius. Mm -mm. Not Jonathan, but Jody Whitaker. The 13th Doctor will be the first female incarnation of the character since the show's inception. And while over 50 years ago. And while me and Derek was blessed with this news as we woke up this morning, getting our yes out the way, (laughs) then the, the not the white tears this time but the male tears the the, the hetero cis normal male yeah. tears start to flow and I am so sorry this is I, I cannot watch Doctor Who again because you've ruined a perfect show by changing the whole dynamic of what the show was about by changing the character to a woman it's ruined the whole thing this was my last season so goodbye I will not be returning back Bye, bitch. Right. I saw a meme where they had like um, the misfits or yes. maybe the gym, and yes. they were like just bathing yes. in white tears. Like, yes. <laughs> yes, you better bathe in the damn tears while I sit there. I, like, I tell everybody I like my tears original, like salty flavor. Yes. <laughs> Fresh from the source. Fresh from the source, you know, so yes. I can sit there and like 
smack them lips like oh, that was so damn good. You know, I, I take tears to the goblet. Exactly. You know, I, I swear my little tears up in the wine glass if I sit there and sip on them. Then I sit there and get drunk on them. You know what I'm saying? But it's a but it's just the fact of the matter that they bitched about Bill, the best companion. I'm sorry. Yes, I said Bill was the best guy, the companion of the new damn um, series. Um, being a, le- a black lesbian with natural hair and no care in the goddamn world about how you felt about her and anything like that. They complained about her. Then they died, that died down. They sat there and you know, she showed them, like, I am the best. You will love me. And when I walk off this goddamn TARDIS for good, you're going to mourn my departure. And then they go come in with the same bullshit again. So everybody who's crying, they're doing it for the outrage purposes because they got to sit there and make, you know, balance out the, um, you know, the, the love. But the answer is going to be right there next year when season um, 11 starts. And, you know, they're going to yeah. probably come with hate, but they're going to come with them damn eyeballs. And I the mean, they're going to hate her. They're going to hate her from, the first, from her first sentence they're gonna be like oh no she's not the doctor i hate her i already know this i've seen i've seen this happen you know the the, the upside is i've seen this happen with every doctor people mm. who just don't like the actor this is the first time people have not disliked the actor on their acting merit but on their sex mm-hmm. it's ridiculous but i am here for it you know what i'm saying yes. so miss jody whitaker congratulations for changing history um, it was in the cards. If anybody had really paid attention, and this goes back to the whole Star Trek bullshit about you know Sonequa Martin Green being the black female lead. If you are a sci-fi fan, you cannot be a racist, or rather, you can't be a sci-fi fan if you're a racist, because science fiction is all about what ifs and a, you know mm. and different races and different cultures mm-hmm. and different alien um possi- different well, possibilities we as people that's how we as people of color understand it but that's not necessarily how it's been presented throughout the years and so that's probably that's that's a large part of the problem is that everything you said about science fiction is absolutely true but a lot of white cis have only seen themselves mm-hmm. out being in the future, you know, mm-hmm. and the occasional, you know, there's a reason why every dystopian, like every dystopian movie that I've seen, every uh, movie that takes, movie TV show that takes place in the future where, you know, society breaks down and there's lawlessness, there are rape gangs, like every mm-hmm. thing rape gangs are always the you know the one constant no matter what type of show From it is. Mad Max to yeah. this to the north or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so those so so even the women aren't really um respected in that mm-hmm. genre. It is, you know, a, a white male who's been seen as a white male thing, but it you know, but Hey. But it's changing, and it, it, it's, it's it's needed. Oh God, yeah. God, yeah, it's needed. It's needed. Yeah. It's needed. yeah. Um, and okay. I want to and I want to point out before we move on, um, Jody, what's her name? Jody. Jody Whitaker. Jody Whitaker. You know, if you have watched Black Mirror, 
than you have seen her in the third episode of the first season, the entire history of you. The best, one of the best episodes ever. It really was. Wait, what was the episode called again? It was the... The entire history of you. It's the one where everybody has the memory implant behind their neck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast forward and rewind and everything. Yeah, she plays Mm -hmm. the, uh, she plays the wife. Okay. She was awesome in (laughs) that. She was indeed. Okay. Yay for Doctor Who. Now we're going to move on to some of this toxic masculinity. Well, it's feeling um, right on over into it, but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it no, it did. It fit. So, a, uh, there's a book that is coming out. A, a, a um, boss written by Clay. Give me. What's his name? Uh, his name is Clay Kane. Yeah, he's a Thank notable you. journalist. Yes. Uh, writer. Uh, he has a film out right now called uh, I think it's Holla, Holla if you hear me, it, but it talks about um, the dynamics between the black church and LGBTQ rights. Uh, so yeah, like he's out here doing big things. Yes. Well, he has a book, uh, a collection of his memoirs coming out. Mm-hmm. And a small preview was released last week. Um, and it talks about his relationship with his father, who, you know, pretty much said to him at one time, um, stop acting like a faggot. If you keep acting like this, you're going to grow up and get fucked by men. Mm-hmm. His father kind of terrorized him. Um, I'm really looking forward to reading that book. Just there's a lot of that out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I just first hand, like definitely. Like there's a lot of that out there. And I think one of the scariest things just in the excerpt that they sh- that they released was the snapping of the fingers. And his father told him, Every time I see you acting like a girl, every time I see you acting like a sissy, I'm gonna snap my fingers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that considered right like a female prank though? It kinda is. Snap of the fingers. But when you have this like dominating male figure, like cause this is the thing, you know, this is someone speaking about their childhood. You know? Mm-hmm. And when you're a child, you know, especially you're around, you know, Adele figures, um, you know, male figures specifically, um, there's this level of immediate, I don't want to call it fear, but this it's, it's a respect of dominance, I guess you could say. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know in, in my situation, you know, even though I'm a big guy myself, you know, I wasn't always seven feet tall, you know, and my father was like the epitome of the like alpha male. Um, he was 6'6". Six, six, you know, deep baritone voice, hyper masculine, you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, um, as I grew older, you know, I, I, I hate to say like I feared him, but I but I kind of did. Cause I mean, my mom, you know, she would chastise me or whatever. Like she would like, you know, whoop me or whatever. And I mean, that sparked a little fear in me, but it wasn't like my dad. My, my dad never really put his hands on me physically, but it was like the lashing of his tongue, you know? It was just yeah. his voice, you know, his demeanor that like sparked fear, fear in me. So yeah, I mean, I think even if the snapping of the finger is a feminine trait, 
coming from, you know, a, a male figure in your life, your father, older brother, whatever, you still kind of respect it. You don't question it. Because I think now, like us, as grown adult men, we hear that. It's like, child, you talk about me, you tell me not to act feminine, but you have to like a queen. You know what I'm saying? Like, we would check that real quick. But as a kid, you're not going to problem with that. You're going to sit there and just take it, you know. I just wonder, um, in situations like this, whose sexuality are you actually fighting for? Hmm. That's a good question. I, okay. So my dad, you know, uh, grew up in the Deep South. He was from uh, Goldsboro, North Carolina. Both his parents, I don't think they even finished like middle school, you know, very poor. Um, he often spoke about his struggles just to survive as a black boy in the South. And my dad was born in like 1938, you know, so all of that segregation, racism times 10. Um, so he spoke about that struggle quite often. And I think for him, he, it was hard for him to see a world where black boys and black men and black folks could truly be free to express themselves. Cause it was all about surviving, you know, amongst this white supremacy in this country, in this world, really. So, like, in his mind, I think it was very difficult for him to even see, to even imagine, you know, um, a black boy, you know, being feminine. Because even as children, as black kids, uh, at least from my parents, early on, we're taught to, like, fight. You know, we can't show weakness in any form. And a lot of times... You know, feminine characteristics are equated to being weak, you know, which is not the case. But that's how it's right. kind of, you know, look like, especially when you, especially again, when you're a person living in a society where you're constantly attacked because of your race, you know. So I think that's why my father always, I think in his mind, he just feared me because, you know, he, he recognized that, you know, I was something other than straight or heterosexual. He recognized that shit when I was like, seven, eight years old. And he was very outspoken about it. Like I was reading through this little excerpt from Clay Kane and pretty much the same experiences that he went through. I went through things that were like very similar. Like I remember when I was in elementary school, um, I wanted to be a part of the little dance team. You know, we had like a little hip hop dance team, you know? And uh, I just, I wanted to join that group because I, I just love dancing, you know, just the freedom you have when you're dancing. And I remember when I told my dad and his immediate reaction is that, you know, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? You can't be out here like a sissy, you know? And, I, and I, that was my dad, my dad's go-to word. Sissy, punk, <laughs> occasionally faggot, but sissy and punk were the main two, you know? Yeah. So he was like, you can't be no sissy out here or whatever. And I, I mean, again, I'm like eight years old. When I, I, I didn't see the problem. I'm just dancing. What's the issue? You know, but my father wanted me to play sports. You know, so he put me in a basketball camp at our school. I hated it. I think I went to like maybe two practices or whatever, and then I would skip them after school. He found out that I was skipping them. So he chastised me about that. He went on. I think I was like the one of the first times where he called me a faggot. He was like, you know, you're sitting up here, you know, you want to act like a sissy, and you're going to grow, grow up to be a seven-foot faggot. And it's kind of funny, I guess, in a way, I kind of <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and he was kind of right. right. right, and you know what? We love you for yeah, it. Yeah, but I think in his mind, again, his images of what it was to be 
a black gay man was, you know, you're going to have him a wig, you're going to have him a dress, which is nothing wrong with that either. But he just assumed that I would just, you know, I would be like this, this extreme depiction of what it is to be feminine, flamboyant or whatever. Um, so that was one occasion. Um, you know, we had several balls. I had a, a really good friend, my best friend, instance, who's not watching this, but I, my best friend. Um, and me and my best friend we were really cool. Um, he would sometimes come over, you know, when I see my father the weekend, because my father, like, as much as my father was like lashing me for all this sissy punk stuff, he was also kind of like the fun parent. Like, he'll take us, take me out to the movies or to Toys R Us or to the arcade or whatever. So I used to bring my friend along. And, you know, I just looked at us as being regular, you know, childhood friends. But I'll never forget, um, my friend called me one day at my dad's number and left a voicemail. He was like, you know, call me back, Chris, or whatever. And this is like the first time like I spoke, like, I guess I challenged my dad on him trying to shame me for who I was. So my friend called me one day and my dad told me about it. And he was like, yeah, so... Um, your little sissy ass friend was calling you talking about, you know, he wanted to speak to you. You know what I'm saying? That little punk or whatever. And I'm like, dad, like, he's just my friend. What are you talking about? He's like, oh, he was some, oh, I want to talk to you, Chris. I want to, and I was like, why are you doing it? I was like, at the time. I'm like, why are you being all, like, what the hell are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Why are you being extra? Hey, why are you doing all that? And I was like, so pissed off, you know? Um, but yeah, like, for quite a while, I would say definitely between the ages of like seven to about, 14, 15, me and my dad had like a really tough relationship. Like I, I love being around him, but at the same time, I hated it because I felt like he was always judging me. You know, I couldn't do anything without him talking about, oh, you acting like a sissy, you acting like a punk. You know what I'm saying? Like if I was drawing, like why are you sitting up here drawing? Like, what do you want me to fuck? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. So you be extra. But like I said, before my dad passed, my dad, my dad passed when I was 17. But before he passed, he had a conversation with me, and I had to be like. By this time, I was like maybe 15 or 16 or whatever. And, you know, and like I said, again, my dad was never, he never really sugarcoated anything. So I think he recognized that I was, you know, gay or whatever. Um, but he just didn't really know how to have that conversation. But when I said, when I was about 15 or 16, you know, I was like at his apartment and he just kind of came into the room. He was like, you know, uh, Chris, you know, y'all used to call me like young champ or whatever. He was like, you know, I mean, if you out here, you gay or whatever it may be, you know, I don't understand it, but I still love you. You're my son. I will always love you. I will always support you the whole nine. And I remember my reaction was like, then I ain't gay. Shut up. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like, I'm not gay, you know, and I was in that whole denial mode. Like, what are you talking about? But, you know, he, I, I think he, he knew, like, just because of like, like the, the separation, the divide between relationship between father and son, between me and him, he recognized that he had to do something, you know, because it was getting to a point where yeah. we didn't talk. You know what I'm saying? Like I would come over and hang with him, but we didn't talk about shit. You know what I'm saying? And he didn't want that, you know? Uh, so yeah, like, you know, before he passed, like, you know, we made amends at least on that particular issue. But, but yeah, it, it was, I, I can definitely relate to that whole article. Like it, it I, I was terrified as a kid, you know, being around my father and him seeing me in a way that I didn't fully see myself at that point. Cause I wasn't thinking about my sexuality at nine or 10. I just wanted to have fun. You know, if that was. Which kind of goes to the whole point of it being natural because mm -hmm. I mean, my, you know, when I came out to my mother, 
we had those conversations, you know, when she said that she and my she and my godmother, you know, from the time I was four or five, was like, yeah, you know, Derek is probably going to be gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, you aren't thinking about your sexuality back then. You aren't thinking, you know, chasing boys around. Mm-hmm. You're just being you, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I know for me, I Chris, I concur 100% what you're going through. Now, I was, <coughs> now I wouldn't say my dad was like, he would say the word faggot and, you know, um, he wouldn't say sissy, he will say punk or faggot or, you know, he would say faggot before he say anything. Mm-hmm. And, but me growing up, I remember when, you know, you hit that puberty, I was just, annoyed. I was just an awkward kid. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't care about being a, he'd be in the car, be cutting the yard, and my ass be inside of a book. I'd be reading a book or whatever damn TV show was on or something like that. Now, on the outside, I can see a lot of people say, you need to go out there and help your dad do something. But my dad had a particular way of doing shit. And so if I hear him telling me was keeping him from doing what he had to do to get done. So he likes certain shit to get done a certain so way. he didn't want no help. He didn't right. want no help. But when he did come out there, when he did need help, he would call me outside. Hey, come out here. Let me show you how to do this. X, Y, Z, and stuff like that. But when he knows that, you know, you hit junior high, puberty city, and, you know, they noticed that there was no calls coming to the house. There was no right. girls coming to the house, stuff like mm. this. So we was driving down Memphis one day with my older brother, and my dad was like, saw some chicks on the side of the street, you know. Ooh, ooh them, them some fine-ass women right there. They got some thick butts, some thick asses on. I'm like, ain't you too little too old to be doing this shit, man? I'm like, man, you like you never seen no ass before. I'm, not, so I'm looking like, what are you doing? And then my, my brother's like, yeah, they, 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 pretty, they pretty tight down here. Mm. Boo-boo, you don't, what, what you think? I'm like... Yeah, I, I mean, you know, and he was like, you, you know, how excited. I'm like, Ooh, it's a girl. <laughs> it's a girl. You know, like, fuck? I mean, shit, I see girls in school look way better than that. I'm like, what the hell y'all talking about? And then so we got to the point where he was like, one night we was watching BT Uncovers on. And he had just got off work, and so we was during the summer, and I was still up and shit. And so Dad was in the living room. Talking to mom, BT uncovers on. He was, and I think um, Tip Drill came on. He was like, "Oh my god, oh, look at all that! Hey, oh, I'm like, damn, mom is sitting right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, control yourself. You know what I'm saying? He was like, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't doing enough for you. I'm like, dad, I've seen. I mean, even of it. if it is doing something for me, it's not going to do something for me while y'all are sitting <laughs> here. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, what the hell? And so he was like, so he, my mom, I need to from Walmart. So they're like, I'll go to Walmart. Hey, you come with me. So I got in the car. He said, what's wrong with you? You got mad because I'm looking at ass. I'm like, I didn't, I mean, mom was sitting right there. Mm-hmm. Boy, if I didn't think you'd go back and tell your mom, I'll take you somewhere to get fixed. Ooh. Oh God! And I'm like, you know, I did that whole, you know, like, okay. And I sat there, and said, okay. And I sat the car and everything. And he knew he fucked up. Yeah. You know when your parents fucked up when they start trying to buy you shit they don't want you to have. <laughs> so we got to Walmart. We got to Walmart because he told himself. And so we got to Walmart. I walked off and stuff like that. He was looking for me, so I came back. He was in the counter. He was in the, in the line. You ain't seen them back there you wanted? I'm like, no. There's not a new DVD back there you want? No. 
It was 15 DVDs Come back on, that I wanted. Let's go. She, I should have had her buy me a whole goddamn set of something, but I was like, no. And so he, I, I didn't talk to him for about a week. And my mom was like, what, what did he say? Why y'all ain't talking and stuff like that? And so he kept doing this shit. Like, when I got put in the mental hospital and I came back and I was not, you know, I was like, you know, shook, you know what I'm saying, being in a mental hospital, he had my cousin come pick me up and take me out to, to just to find out what's going on with me and stuff like that. My cousin decided to take my ass to the damn most ratchet strip club down there in Memphis. I'm talking about they was they had um prostitution going on there and everything. Mm-hmm. And so and the cousin came out and said, Well you know your dad is very, you know, he's just worried that you gonna, you know, that you ain't normal. And I'm like, I'm pretty I think that's pretty, you know, apparent right now, but it's just the mm-hmm. whole concept of he realized that he couldn't do that with me. See, my brother um, and him on the same page, wave on the same wavelength a little bit, though, but my brother wasn't raised inside the household as we were, so my brother was finding any type of way to connect with my dad. So if women was there, or like, you know, cars or something like that, they was up there. I was like, y'all can have this shit. I got my own thing going, you know what I'm saying? And so that's why it took me so long to be, like, comfortable coming out to him because after all that went down, I, he went and got saved again and went to church mm. and all this stuff and so he's deeply into the church. Dad don't like the people to talk about aliens. He does not like to talk about life on other planets. Child, that's you all day though. Yeah, and so he's like, right. you know, everything, yeah. everything he can do is everything you live right. on. We are the complete polar opposites but strangely enough, we are the same. I think me and Xavier had the same conversation at one time because that's, you know, it just, he bottles so much stuff in because he don't like to show emotion mm-hmm. and, but, um, I remember that month before I got ready to come out, I didn't know it was going to come out. I was sitting there talking to uh, a, a certain person, and Dad burst in the house. Man, let me tell you about this faggot I just saw at the Q-Mart store down the street. I'm like, I'm on the phone talking about, like, you want to meet up to go fuck or something like that? You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm not coming up to my dad. He just got through. He said faggot so damn hard. Yeah. It was like, he's like, he just took, I mean, the, you want to fight. Like, like, yeah. That's I mean, what I hear. It's like, yeah, let me, let me, let me get ready because, <laughs> you know, you And so, when I finally came out to him, but he had this same kind of conversation. He said, I don't get it. You know, it's against the Lord's will. Mm-hmm. But you are my son, and my job on this earth is to love you nonetheless. He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to love you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to fight for you. Mm-hmm. But just know that what you're doing is a sin. And then my mom was gonna chime in. Well, I think it's a phase. Like I'm mm-hmm. fucking 13 years old. Like no, I've been. <laughs> I'm experienced. I know what the fuck I want. Shit. So, but so, it's pretty bad. It is. It's bad. And in the African American community, I think it's worse. But then you know, also kind of remember, think about as a parent, you're raising this person. You've had them since they were infants, since they were born. And they turn out to be completely different than what you thought they were going to turn out to be. Mm. Um, it's like a bait and switch game. It's like, you know, this this the child I raised, you know. But you think to yourself, sometimes there's this misconception or mis- misnotion that there is something in their parenting that caused the person to be bad. I mean, it's, it's got nothing to do with it. Um, some of them have a hard time understanding the genetic component of it. But, I mean, ultimately, you end up raising this person you can't relate to. You know, as a male, 
you expect to be able to relate to your son when it comes down to sexuality and then you got this person who when it comes down to sexuality relates more to their mother um and so then there's some other confusions that go along with that and understanding you know how do i relate to you now as your father or what does this mean as a man and then if you in the black southern church you're dealing with the religious aspects of it all and that could be a whole issue mm -hmm. and what other people are going to say about it in the community you know how is others going to view this in reference to me mm -hmm. so there's like a multifaceted thing that goes on with why we here have such a hard time dealing with the masculinity aspects and the, uh, the heteronormative um, with the fact that you know one of us or there's a gay family member mm -hmm. um, I found it interesting what a group of my friends here in Mississippi, which is where I am right now, um, that they knew I was gay on from the onset because I told them. Um, but, and they had no problems with it. I mean, there was never a time where I felt some kind of way because of it. But at the, on the same token, they had another cohort who they were friends with before they were friends with me um who worked at the gym with them did steroids with them you know did the whole crazy nine yards and when they found out later in years that he was doing gay porn they ostracized him and i couldn't figure out why like i was kept asking them i'm like y'all been knowing about me because he never had the problem so what's the issue and their whole issue was well he didn't tell us in the beginning honestly he wasn't honest about it so i'm like yeah Okay, maybe because he didn't know how to tell you that. He wasn't comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. so there's a uh, writer that I know, and really, really nice guy. Um, and he told me this story. I think I've said this story before. Um, he told me that he had a friend who came out to all of their friends but didn't come out to him. And when he asked the friend why, you know, why he had skipped him, why he didn't come out to him, he said, because you're homophobic. And he was like, I'm not homophobic. And he said, I've listened to the jokes that you tell. I've listened to the stories that you said, you know, phobic. And, you know, the guy, the guy, the writer, he had to take a long, hard look at that. Um, so sometimes those conversations, you know, well, very scary. They they, they come in handy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and I was about to add real quick because um, I think we may have touched on this a little bit in our entertainment hangout last week, but you know, now there's kind of like a greater visibility of uh, black men specifically um, who are gay or bi, queer or whatever um, that are, you know, on television, that are in music, um, that are even starting to kind of build a little recognition within the hip hop rap community, which you know is kind of like the the core of like hyper masculinity um, in a lot of ways. And I think because of that, we're starting to see a greater tolerance of uh, people within the black community um, being more accepting uh, to like gay or LGBTQ folks just in general or whatever. Um, but it's still like an uphill battle. I was watching a uh, a segment on um, Everyday Struggle, which is 
that little show where uh, Joe Budden and Migos <clears throat> had a little, I don't even know what you want to call it, <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> a little, little stunt show at the BET Awards or whatever. Yes. So uh, they had another, you know, little episode or whatever where they were talking about um, this supposed Tyler, the creator, like low key coming out unofficially or whatever. So they had a conversation around that. And like, you know, Joe Budden is probably the only person on that panel who at least has some experience as a hip hop artist and being someone in the hip hop industry. The other two panelists, I think one guy's like a DJ and the girl, I don't even know where she's from, but you know, he's the only one who really has experience. But when they brought it up, Joe Budden was like, you know, more power to him. I, you know, I applaud and support him and respect him, you know, um, in reference to Tyler Crater possibly coming out. But then he was like, why is this even a news story? Like, why are we talking about this? And the two other panelists kept explaining to him that even though we've had, you know, there's been some progress in hip hop in terms of embracing um, like non-straight rappers and artists, like it's still a lot of homophobia, you know, um, in particular, you know, uh, uh, genre music. And, you know, we still haven't got to a point where, you know, everyone's accepted in hip hop. He was like, well, you know, I don't really see it. He was like, if this is 10 years ago, I could see this being a new story, but it's not a big deal now. He kept referencing um, Migos. And Migos, <laughs> it, it, you know, it being shady, you know, being shady. But with Migos, you know, like Migos, like they have clearly stated, like, you know, we, 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 we ain't down for that gay shit. Even though they love gay fashion, low key live for gay culture, I'm sure too. But you know, they, they ain't down for that gay shit. <laughs> So when he kept on referencing that, like, you know, they were trying to correct him. Well, like, you know, Migos collectively as a group, none, none of the members are gay. He was like, well, no, I'm talking about, like, the look they have. And, I, and, and the thing of it is that I think people have this misinterpretation that, you know, they, I guess they confuse, like, sexual identity, gender identity, and just freedom of expression. Like, you can have someone who is, you know, walking out in pumps in a blouse on a daily that doesn't determine their sexual identity. That doesn't determine their gender identity at all either. You know what I'm saying? So you can't use that as a point like, oh, the, the, the hip hop industry is becoming more open-minded because the thing of it is that like you have rappers who are coming out here, you know, with pumps and heels on and they still talk about faggot, 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 we'll kill a faggot. I don't understand it. <laughs> Cause like you got nerve to be looking like you about to audition for RuPaul's Drag Race, but here you want to talk about this faggot and this like whatever. But, you know, but the point of it is that, like, Joe Budden's someone who identifies as heterosexual um, and someone who's also in the hip-hop industry. He, on one end, it was, like, awesome to see him support, you know, someone coming out or someone being gay in hip-hop. But it was also kind of, like, a little bit frustrating to see that he didn't understand the reason why this is still a Right. Like, he couldn't get it at all. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's a discussion, too, because I, 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 you know, I've been around a lot of straight black men who are like, you know, I don't care if you're gay or not, but oh, why you got to talk about it? You know, why you got to be marching in pride? You know, why you don't keep that shit in the bedroom? It's like, see, you still don't really get it. You know what I'm saying? I, I can see. I can I can agree with that. I can kind of see where Joe Budden was coming from when he said, why is this a news story? Because we have a lot of gay people who would sit there and get mad like so why are we talking like well, I remember Anderson Cooper came out like why is this a new story we all knew yeah. that move on mm-hmm. maybe he was trying to do it like that but I didn't read the interview and I didn't read his man, man, uh, mannerisms maybe mm-hmm. it was a, a slick 
like Chris said, uppercut <laughs> to Migos. Yeah, he got the Migos. I was like, what? <laughs> Why you being shady right now? I think that was a, I'm gonna follow the tip of that. That was a slip uppercut. That was a slick uppercut. He tried to use it to pad his way. Like right. I ain't try to be, you know, I ain't try to like doubt anybody though. However, right. motherfuckers over there. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so as soon as you get to the however, there's right. a problem. Exactly. Well, this is a great. This is a great segue. Our next subject. Um. Feminizing of the black man article in um, back in January. Was this written by Dr. Umar Johnson? <laughs> 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 uh, this one was not. Mm-hmm. to kind of gloss over Umar this week because I think he deserves a... We can't... Uh, we can, we, I, 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 I apologize for even bringing his name up. I'm That's so why I feel like, oh, gee. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's, it's quite all right. No, this was uh, Louis Farrakhan um, has had a cancer hmm. and has decided that some of the uh, medicines that they gave him after came to change his chemistry affected his masculinity and that is the new thing now that they are doing because we're all all bag of biochemicals anyway so now they are you know chemicals and stuff and such in order to bring a greater femininity to the black community my god our black so this also means the same chemicals that Louis Farrakhan was Allegedly, I say, but allegedly, gap. It's also the same chemicals found in the strain of weed, or like the weed that the guy was on there talking about, like weed yeah. makes men feminine, yeah. makes women butch. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like the marijuana and the weefa combined. That's with- what I, I. That's what I was looking for when I found this. <laughs> <laughs> was the marijuana guy? I thought mm. I pre- Did you? Yeah, the guy who was talking about marijuana was feminizing uh, men. And- that's where I, okay, that's where I saw it. It helped. Yeah. That's where it was. I couldn't remember where I saw it, and I was looking for it all over the place. I think I put um, it in health and M3. You put it in, yeah, and, you put uh, it, I know you put it in, in, in M3 Health. So, if you know, if anybody wants to check out the video, it's over in M3 Health. Because mm-hmm. um, I, remember, I remember watching and thinking, it's So, but there's, but again, there seems to be this whole narrative nowadays on the attacking of masculinity in the black community. And I'm glad you said that, Derek, because I want to pose the question to everybody this, on this panel because I read an article from. I think it was very smart brothers that said that I'm not going to allow somebody, I'm not going to allow myself to ever say that homophobia is rampant in the black community because it's just as rampant in the white community. But I was like, but here's the thing. The white community is not marginalized. We are. And to me, I feel that if we are supposed to put on this united front, 
in terms of like, you know, we gonna fight for each other and stuff like that. And then you turn around and be like, except for y'all, y'all go over there somewhere because we ain't trying to have it. Y'all are a cancer to the black family unit, to the black male mask to the black masculinity and all this stuff. And I'm thinking like that's where people get this whole thing of where you know it's more rampant in the black community because um, white folks only got to worry about um, like their fellow person being ass. We got to worry about them whipping our ass just based mm-hmm. on the color of our skin, right? Yeah, and the fact that we black, yeah, and the fact that we're I mean, and the fact that we're gay. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it's just it's like a double, it's double or triple if you want to look at it. In some cases, yeah. you know, right. on us. Mm-hmm. So. I, if does, does that make any sense? Because I know a lot of people were no, saying, like, you know, thank God you finally said that, you know, because I'm tired of folks saying that it's, you know, because people calling out RuPaul saying that RuPaul, you are a disgrace to the black community because you don't support Black Lives Matter and you ain't did anything Black Lives Matter like and stuff like that. You know, I'm just like, I didn't think that, you know, it's just like we we, we would tear down our own to uphold the image of the black masculine male. Mm. That's how I look at it. Like we would sit there and attack everybody else for challenging the black cis heteronormative male. I was about to say like, you know, and and I agree with you, like for the most part, you know, I feel like um, if we're going to move forward as a community, if we're going to fight against, you know, these injustices that are taking place against black folks, um, we're going to fight against oppression, white supremacy, and all those things. We have to be able to unify together. And one of the huge divides in our community uh, is when it comes down to not upholding this image of black male masculinity. You know, and that's something that we have to recognize if we if we're going to move forward in any type of capacity. But this you know? this is my thing. No one has yet to I no one has yet to to me what black masculinity without you know I mean? without Wait, say, it, say it again no one has been able to yet identify to me what black masculinity is oh I'm gonna tell you what the it definition is. of what black black man like you know well you know what if you see it it's I guess it's like porn <laughs> you know I I can't define it but you know if you see it you'll know it mm. I would say black to me black masculinity is you know when you take back in the day when they had a Barbie doll a white Barbie doll here's Christine or Chris, what other than black doll's name mm. it was just a white doll with, just with a, a black coating yeah basically black coating. no no yes. other physical features Feature. nothing narrow ass nose non-existent lips all that yeah and so, to me, that is what black masculinity is. It's white patriotic um, masculinity. Not patriotic, but um, patri- Patri- patriarchy. Pa- pa- yeah, patriarchy. I'm trying to, like, you know, uh, yeah. The, um, mm. Yeah. Coded in black mm. tone or in a brown and yeah. black and brown tone. There's one thing that you will hear about often, um, you know, when, when, when you hear these kind of Hotep types or whatever, talking about upholding all oh, the hoteps, the hoteps, upholding the black king above everyone else or whatever, is that 
basically, like, you're not really concerned about uh, the liberation of all black folks, all marginalized people. You're just trying to actually get a piece of that, basically of that white supremacy. You know what I'm saying? Like you're trying to get a piece of having this, this rule um, in dominance over other marginalized people. And that's a problem. You know, you can't talk about liberating black people if you're not talking about all black lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, like it doesn't work that way. And that's where I feel like um, some people in the movement, because again, like in reference to Black Lives Matter, because I feel like not just Black Lives Matter, there's other organizations too. Uh, but you know, Black Lives Matter gets like this, 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 this misinterpretation in terms of how people see it because of what I guess you could say the the Black radical movement has looked like in the past, or even what it looks like now in some sectors. The thing of it is that like Black Lives Matter and there's several other uh, Black-led organizations that are about liberating all Black folks and fighting against injustice that are actually led predominantly by Black LGBT plus people. So yeah. I, I've heard this whole conversation is that like, reason why I can't support Black Lives Matter because it's no different from what you see Umar Johnson doing or whomever. And it's like, those are the ones who are using the, the name and the label of Black Lives Matter to kind of push their own agenda. But if you look at the actual official chapters that are that pretty much exist in like every state, you know, almost every major city across this country, um, you'll realize that if you go to their meetings, it's mostly Black LGBT folks. And yes, it is. if you go to their website, it states that we're about um, valuing the lives of Black queer folk, Black trans folk, all of that. Um, so like I just I feel like that has to be cleared up quite often because I feel like Black Lives Matter the the official chapters are one of the few organizations that are actually trying to kind of break this patriarchy this misogyny this homophobia in the Black community and a lot of times people just assume that they're actually just adding on to all of that bullshit you know which is not the case but but I agree with you Mark like I feel like you made a real valid point. Um, cause it, it, it's just real frustrating. Like, you know, like we have these conversations and, and this is what's really crazy. Like we talk about this shit pretty much like every week, you know, on the hangouts, whatever. And we have these very informative conversations dealing with everything from sexuality, gender identity, racism, whatever. But I'm sure if we went into some of these predominant black spaces, uh, or when it's these organizations that are supposedly supposed to be like leading the fight in the black movement and we have these same conversations, we would be told to shut the fuck up. You know mm. what I'm saying? We would be looked at as the problem. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So yes. that's what's so frustrating. Like we it's it's like I had the same issue when I was like, you know, when I was working deeply with a lot of the uh LGBT uh advocacy organizations here in Detroit. And I was working for one black LGBT organization. Um, and you know, we'll go to these conferences all over the country or whatever, and sit in these rooms and we'll talk about LGBT rights and da 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 da. But I used to sit there and I was like, okay, this is great that we're coming together and having these conversations, but it's like we're just talking to ourselves, we're not talking to yeah. people who really need to hear this. Shit. We know, like, we already understand the struggles, we live the struggle. But you got a lot of these folks who are completely unaware, and those are folks who need to hear. And the sad part is when we try to talk to these people who need to know this shit, who need to get this knowledge, they don't want to hear it. 
So the Bible has already decided exactly. that you have nothing to say. Basically, I want to yeah. take a second and welcome Lee Lopez. Hey. Hello. But you know, going back to what the original question was um, from Derek, I do think that to a certain extent there is a societal shift towards or shift away from the standard concept of what an what um, masculinity is in African American males. Um, if you've like ever been in a mixed workplace and you've ever noticed that oh, he's super froze. nice and super approachable to everybody, then they think you're the angry black man. You know, it's very yeah. easy to be termed as the angry black man when you are in a in a mixed group of people. Especially with dealing with a lot of white people, um, and so, and it's really just you being you. You may not be angry about anything. You, you know, you don't have a bad attitude or anything. You speak to everybody, but you go about your business and you about you know minding of your business, and you kind of just do you. <clears throat> and people will quickly and very readily, easily kind of deem you as the angry black man, when in fact that's just your natural kind of state of being. Right? You mm-hmm. have this steady state of. Kind of no bullshit, no tolerance, which well, is a commonality amongst most black men. Is no bullshit, no tolerance, um, and maybe not the most impressionable group of people at first, because I think by nature we're somewhat not trusting of people, especially people not related to us or not of the same color as we are. Um, but then on the same flip side, token of that, I remember I used to work with this guy who was part of the Hot Shot team. And Hotshot is, um, he's a fireman, he's a specially trained fireman that go in and do like uh, these massive fires that break out like these national parks. Mm-hmm. So they're like firemen to the 10th power. And he was catalog ready anytime you saw him. I mean, this boy stayed in the gym. He was about 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, and he was the biggest womanizer you ever had met in your life. Mm-hmm. But when I had this conversation with somebody else and they talked about, well, what's the definition of male, masculine, black male, masculine, and all that, they pointed to him. And I'm like, okay, I get that. So he's a womanizer. He's testosterone-driven. Obviously, like, an asshole of education. You know, he's a dumbass. But he's got a lot of functioning skills. he got a lot of functional skills in the business. And so that is what you all consider the epitome of black masculine, black masculine. Um, so what? So my question, Xavier, and having having said that, so my question is: Do you think that maybe definition of masculinity we've inherited from our slave past? So I've seen videos that talk about that, and I've seen some other things that kind of talk about that. And I do, I, I, I do agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly because if you've been to Africa, you can, you will see two. Uh, Insisting what we are here, so I think with us, it's a mix of European culture, because mm-hmm. um, you know European cultures are not very embracing. Um, so you have a mix between European culture, as well as. Um, some things that have happened with us over the past, some adaptive things that we have developed 
because of you know what has happened with us in slavery and then from that point it is now then you add in you segue into uh the part that religion has played in <clears throat> this picture now of what we think black masculinity looks like but if you kind of look at it and you just capture it in that moment right then and there um and try to find it somewhere else in this world i don't think you're going to be able to find it mm-hmm. but in if other cultures with- like um for example um me being puerto rican and being a mixture of three different cultures uh you also have the womanizing uh viral uh type of stereotype as being what a real macho man supposed to be um which is something that happens in not just in Puerto Rican culture but many Hispanic cultures also if you are out there you know getting women and, and, and beating your chest and and not very well educated you're believed to be uh the, the epitome of masculinity uh but god forbid that you're you know read and, and, and become bookworm then you're like a they're they're considered not not even you uh a beta but an omega they they look at you that low uh mm-hmm. which to me it never made sense mm-hmm. yeah. well for me growing up that was the whole case and I told y'all several times I was told that black boys don't read. You need to be like that. You know, and every time, and I'm gonna say every time you say that, a little part of me dies. Yeah, because <laughs> that's, what, that's what the whole concept is. Like today, kids get teased. You don't see any black kids coming to little black boys coming to the library to read as often. You will see black girls coming to the library all the time reading and stuff like that. But when a little black boy comes to the library and he asks for a book and he's not asking for his books just do a project, he's like, and everybody's Harry Potter. Right. Where's do y'all have any um books by this author right here? I'm like, yes, come on over here. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I sit there and look out for them little boys because they need to know that it's okay to pick up a book and read it, even if it's not a school book. You know what I'm saying? And so I got blasted daily. Like I told you my best friend said black um books are like kryptonite to black men. That shit hurt my soul. Because I was like, well, shit, how do you expect to get the fuck up out of here if you don't read? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Educate yourself. You know, I'm like, <laughs> so I had to ask myself, so, I mean, so it, it became, a, I guess, an existential question of, am I doing something wrong? You see what I'm saying? Like, am I, am I really, is this, like, really life? You know what I'm saying? Because I don't have to give that part of me up. So me getting out and going to college, and just realize it, but by that time I gave a who gives a fuck attitude. Cause this is also around the time when I was reading Sweet Valley High like it was going out of style. <laughs> and everybody was like, Mark, just come out and say you're gay. I said, I'm not gay. I just like to read continuing <laughs> stories. You know, because in their mind frame, I wasn't thinking that I was gay. You know what I'm saying? I had crushes on girls and stuff like that. Have a gender, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just kept, it just kept being shot at me in school. Hell, my cousin sent. She was in high school and she sent a romance novel. I fucking hate Harlequin romance novels. She sent a Harlequin romance novel to a kid that was in junior high through me. 
So I was waiting for the girl to come to the classroom. So my teacher walked to my desk. Mark, are you reading this? I'm like, no. Well, it's on your desk. I said, I'm giving it. I'm giving it to somebody for a friend. Oh, well, you know, boys don't read Harlequin romance novels. I said, ma'am, I don't like these. True. And she said, oh, okay. I'm not gay. I am not gay because I read Sweet Valley High. I am gay because I sucked it. That's it. Thank you. It's just a sexual attraction. And I, and I think, but you know what? I, I was just going to add to that. That's why I like, I'm a bit, um, why well, not a bit? I'm supportive of a lot of like I would say like the, this new generation of like youth um, just kind of being a little bit more open minded when it comes to their expression if that's within their style you know if that's within their mannerisms whatever it may be because I you know again kind of growing up you know during the 90s or early 2000s you know being in like you know public school or whatever um, just seeing a kid walk in, like, walk down the hallways with anything even slightly fitted on, you know, they would be targeted and they would be attacked, you know, mm-hmm. for looking too feminine or being too flamboyant. Now, you got these kids who are like, you know what, I feel like coming out with, like, I don't know, like, a bra and some, like, skinny jeans on. That's what I feel. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't determine their sexuality. You know what I'm no. saying? It doesn't determine their gender identity. It's just their style. It's their way of expressing themselves. And I see a lot of people trying to like criticize that. And I kind of get it, you know, to some degree. But I feel like it's, it's important in a lot of ways. Because when we talk about black masculinity, this is my thing. I feel like all of us, men, women, if you're gender nonconforming, whatever it may be, we all carry some in, some energy of like masculine energy and feminine energy. You know, masculine feminine, feminine energy is not determined by a particular gender. I think we all hold on to some of that and we all kind of express that, you know, in certain different ways. So the thing of it is that, like you said, again, just because you're reading romance novels, one, that has nothing to do with your sexuality or gender identity. Um, But at the end of the day, if you do have like feminine characteristics or whatever, I feel like you should, and you're a man, you shouldn't feel ashamed of that. You know what I'm saying? Because I think there's strength in feminine energy, just like there's strength in masculine energy. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like when you have a healthy balance of that, I feel like you just become a healthier person overall. And it's funny because I had a conversation with a friend of mine and we were just talking about like our love for Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a young boy, Sailor Moon, as much as I love the show, like I had to do like a secret ritual to watch it. You know what I'm saying? It was like, gotta sneak downstairs before anybody gets up. You know what I'm saying? I gotta have the volume all, almost on mute. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying? So your so hearing developed. I'm reading these subtitles. I'm reading these subtitles. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was like a secret passage. Because again, Sailor Moon was a quote-unquote girl show, only for girls. So funny, and the thing with it is that, like, I I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody, like, in grade school, because when Sailor Moon was syndicated on U.S. television, it was kind of like the, the mid-'90s or whatever. So I was, like, elementary, middle school, couldn't find anybody, you know, in school who was watching it, who was talking about it, you know. Like, everybody was watching Dragon Ball Z, which I was watching that, too. But I love Mr. Sailor Moon. Anyway, fast forward 10, 15 years. If I go into any space, especially if I'm going around, like, nerds, you know, male nerds, whatever, and I bring up Sailor Moon, oh, I love that show, I love that show, I love that show. I'm like, where were y'all at when I was watching this kid? But the thing is, they were all watching it, too. But in they secret. were in the club. <laughs> That's what they were. Sailor Moon. And Chris, 
And Chris, for me, my version of Sailor Moon was Jim and the Holograms. Right. Yes, God. And <laughs> my stepfather, when my stepfather found out I was watching Jim and the Holograms, he didn't even look to see what the show was about. It was just, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't nobody shooting us. <laughs> and he just made up, you know, a whole bunch of decisions right then. Yeah. What about anybody watching you know. Shira? Uh, I, I, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that was the other one that I used to watch also, mm-hmm. and that was in the military. And there were a bunch know, of other soldiers that would watch it with me. <laughs> but Ali, here's the thing. But no, but here's the thing, Ali. You could get away with Shira because it was a spinoff of He Man. Mm. So people wouldn't question True. that as much, and they were still shooting and flying and shit. <laughs> you didn't get none of that, Jim and Hologram. But my thing about Jim was it wasn't that I identified with any of the characters. Mm. I mean, until when I realized yeah. that this was But but before we go any further, I will have to say that the misfits. Had better songs than Jamie the Hologram. Oh, definitely. I'm sorry. Okay, so I say this all the time. <laughs> Jim and the Holograms wrote some beautiful love songs. It was wonderful. Beautiful butterflies and rainbows and unicorns. The Misfits, they sang about life. Life was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> a bitch is trying to take something that's yours. That's right. You know, a bitch is trying to be better than you. I don't think so. I love the Misfits. Yes, those bitches should have wound up locked up several times over. However, <laughs> but but my thing about Jim was that Jim came out in the mid '80s when music videos. I mean, that was the whole point of them mm-hmm. making the show yep. was that music videos were everywhere. Yep, mm-hmm. it was the, the, the marriage of music and cartoon. You know, and and they yes, and it was to sell dolls, but mm-hmm. they were also kind of selling the music, which is what attracted yep. a lot of people. <clears throat> exactly, and, and, and let's not forget a kid video. Which was oh. uh, I? Can, what was it? Can we? I would like to forget kid video. Actually, I like some of the kid show. video music. Yeah, oh, yes, they have some good music. Two D. You look it up, Chris. It's two Ds. It's two Ds. So kid video. K-I-D-D. Yes, kid video. Oh, yeah. Kid video on the radio. Run, run. Yeah. Yep. Better run, run. Yeah. And it's funny, Derek, because not since my niece was so excited yesterday because my sister sent me a picture. See, my sister was raised up on. I think that my sister's so much closer to me because I'm not going to lie. I would sit there. I would watch G.I. Joe. I would watch uh, He-Man. And so she let that, but like, truck, because she was about to come on. She's like, oh, here I come. We'll come and sit there watch she then she returned to Jim the Holograms. We'll sit our asses right there. Keep watching this shit. We raised up on this shit. So last night, not like but Friday night, Trunka didn't know that she and Jim the Holograms on Netflix. I don't know how this bitch just this, this, this passed this bitch. She's the queen of Netflix. I don't know how this shit passed her. But she <laughs> sat there because she sat there discovered that Jim and the Holograms and she was on Netflix. And she was like, then the bitch said the wrong, she said the wrong damn thing to me. I didn't know he man and she were twins. Bitch, where you been for the last 30 some <laughs> goddamn years? What the fuck is wrong with you? Then didn't you but, watch this Christmas special? Yeah. <laughs> but, she, but, but she, the main point is that 
my niece was so excited to see me yesterday because she ran to me like, Uncle Boo, guess what I watched last night? I watched Jim and the Holograms and Ooh. She-Ra. And she was excited as fuck. She was like, that <laughs> shit was on point. And so she was like, so I want good. She said, Uncle <laughs> Boo, can you give me some some um, synergy earrings? Yeah. I'm like, girl, look, let me, let me find some shit on the <laughs> sick. Yeah. I'm like, this girl's going to <laughs> Oh, like, he raised the good. He raised the good. You did a good job. You did a good job. Yes, but she wants. She wants. She said, "Uncle Boo, I want some synergy earrings." Then she sat there. I was talking to my. While well, talking to my sister, she was turning around, being like, mm-hmm. "I am." I'm like, "This girl that got the goddamn moves down already from watching the opening credits of She." I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> but the fact yeah. of the matter is that I am glad that I can be that uncle. Because it's only just me and my sister, my older brother, but he don't like shit like that. Yeah. Star is going to be a damn big-ass nerd. You're going to be the fabulous uncle. I'm, I'm already, I already told I need t-shirts saying the fabulous uncle is here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Like, Uncle Fabulous. Because I was so excited about that because I could I could be excited with her. I could be like, okay, honey, that's cute. Go on over there, sit down somewhere and play. But I was like... You watch She-Ra too. I love She-Ra. And she okay. was sitting there singing the theme song, She-Ra. I'm like, go <laughs> Mark, now you have to introduce her to Galaxy Rangers. What's that? Uh-huh. You've never seen Galaxy Rangers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We, we, oh. Got, we only get so much, y'all. That's why I keep thinking. <laughs> when I went out to college. We're going to make it. That's like, all right. Ali and I are going to put a list together. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I just saw the intro for Kid Video. That was kind of dope. Like, it was like 80s all day, though. Yes. I it was an 80s all video. day. I do remember that, but, like, okay. we didn't have Dragon Ball Z or any of that stuff yeah. going on here. When, when you look up uh, Kid Video, there's one song particularly that I thought it was pretty good. Everything else sucked. But oh, look up, God. turn it Is up. Run, run, you better, bro, bro. No, turn it up. The song is oh called God. Turn It Up. Galaxy Rangers looks amazing. Uh, Galaxy Ranger had great artwork. Galaxy had a couple of characters that were very well done, besides the fact that they had one of the few female characters that was a strong female. Yes. uh, They had a strong female character. Yes. They had a strong black male character. Yep, exactly. Wow. Yeah, Mark, you would like Doc. Doc was the the, um, computer, uh, computer person. Okay, I've seen this, but they never showed the cartoon. You know, oh. they here. Have, I think they have it on um, on YouTube. They have it by episode. Yeah, I thought this. They got like I don't know if they have all the episodes. I don't know how long it went, but they definitely have a few full episodes. Yeah, yeah I'll probably get into that. But you know, it wasn't He Man or Shira or Dino the Dinosaur or Jim. Or G.I. Joe, anything like that, where they're trying to sell toys. We didn't get, because see, Dragon Ball Z wasn't even played where I was at. Wow. I, went, I remember going to college, and everybody was like, yo, Dragon Ball Z on. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, the fuck? Right. Hey, where did you come from? That was, like, that was my fifth offense. That was my fifth offense by the time. <clears throat> Man, where did you come from But they don't have Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. You know, but don't tell us where it's at. Did you watch none of this? Xavier looking like no. <laughs> what about Voltron? <laughs> which version of which version of Voltron did you watch? No, like I did. I did watch. Well, okay, so I watched a little bit of it. Like I watched the. Like I started watching Dragon Ball Z up until they got to Namek. Oh, when it was Frieza, yeah. the whole Frieza saga. Right, I think I saw oh. that through that because I think I watched that over like the summer. Yeah. 
me growing up, I went to a um, I went to boarding school growing up, so we didn't get to watch TV like that. Oh, understandable. Yeah, and I'll be catch up, and I'll be dead honest with y'all. This, um, if I have the time to, (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing. That's what we should do. That's the thing. I'll be honest, y'all. They probably I'm just gonna be honest, but if they did show like Galaxy Rangers or Dragon Ball Z. I didn't know anything about it because there was a certain time period. If you turn that goddamn TV while all my children's on, you will get your ass destroyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all it was to it. It was like two TVs in the house. And if everybody else had been watching one thing, you come there and your auntie might be asleep. She might have mm. nodded off just a slight, just a slight mm. thing. I don't turn oh, that TV while they sleep. I did that with my great-grandmother. I'm watching that. It was sleep. I'm not sleep. <laughs> I'm not asleep. And then when, it, and when I turn it back, it better be on a damn commercial. And then nothing That's better had happened between the time I went to stop. But, but you said you were asleep. Look, don't sass me, boy. I'm like, I'm, I'm, but you know what's worse than that? Being in the military and having to hurry up back to the barracks because if by certain time you weren't there, the people that were into the soaps were there. And forget it. If they were there first, they got permission to use the TV. The nerds, the TV nerds or the, the cartoon nerds had to get in there just in time. The good thing was that we had one of our guys in the office that was a big time cartoon freak. Mm-hmm. Was between that and um, let's not forget Gargoyles. Oh, yeah. Gargoyles was big no, time. Oh, we have no, to watch yeah. Gargoyles. It's like, fuck, fuck y'all. <laughs> Yeah, I did watch that. They had a Disney block here in Brown, uh, Brownsville. Gargoyles. Let me tell you something about me and Gargoyles. <laughs> I fucked with Gargoyles every day. All day. And when they had a rerun, I fucked with that too. Because I wanted to be. That was one of yeah. the best shows ever. Yeah. Yeah. And they started playing that when I was in college. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? And I think that goes into the whole narrative we're doing today. It's just the fact that even shit like we're geeking about, gargoyles, um, um, Jim the Holograms, hell, Dragon Ball Z, um, hell, even some of the X-Men comics. It was just like, y'all, we couldn't watch any of that. It was like, why are you watching this? You, you too old to be watching this. You need to be out there playing ball. You need to be out there looking at some girl's face or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's the thing that irked the hell out of me. It's just like, I remember when I turned 10 years old, my mom was like, you're not getting any toys for, for your birthday. You're a grown man now. You're, oh, you're, you're pretty much grown. I mean, what? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, my f- it fell us about it. It's with like, oh, junkie <clears throat> cars, stuff on the ground. It's like, I'm like, no, she said, you ain't getting, you, you. You, you don't need no more toys. You are growing. You are growing, and you don't need no more toys. She told all my family members, do not buy him a toy. Ooh. Do not buy him any toys. My great aunt, the woman who was the reason why I'm the person I am today, not my great aunt, but my her, her oldest sister, my oldest aunt, she came to the birthday party. I'm sitting in the back room like, you know, she came to the birthday party. Hey, Regina, how you doing? That's my mama. She, boo-boo, come here. She said, what you got in that bag? This is birthday. She pulled out this Princess Mitsu action figure right here. Yeah. Another Ninja Turtle action figure. And uh, uh, one of those airplanes you put on the thing and you lift it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just started flying out of place. 
Oh, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mom was like, I told you not to bring him no more toys. She said, the longer they stay kids, the better they be in the future. She said, you there need you to go. stop that. She said, I noticed your first born there, everything like that. The behavior to me was just playing with Cat Patch kids till she turned 15. <laughs> so she yeah. like, it's, it's going to be okay. And I think that so it just, they tried to stunt me so many times. And then and they wonder. A lot of adults did not understand and do not understand that the toys are a window to the imagination. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Fucking with the imagination. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And my mom, she did tell me one time, she said, I'm kind of glad that, you know, when I would start writing my short stories and stuff, she would sit there bringing paper home from work for me to write on. But then looking back and seeing how much I'm into writing and stuff like that, she said, I finally get why you were so into toys mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because I was sitting there with my action figures talking Great and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, I think the boy crazy because he keeps talking to himself. <laughs> and then... um. So one night I was sitting there and I had this whole big script written out of it. You know, I had the script acting. I had Batman, I had Catwoman and had Robin and Penguin. I had all of them sitting there just doing this big thing. And she was just standing behind me looking and she said, you're going to go crazy doing that. One of her cousins was over there. She said, leave that boy alone. He's talking to himself. He's making the action figures talk, Beanie. Sit your ass down and come play these damn <laughs> Yes. And let me tell you, that is what I absolutely hated. When they started making those chips where the action figures would talk, I was like, y'all is fucking with the shit. Exactly. Because my action figures were many things. My Star Wars action figures were not always Star Wars action figures. Exactly. They was a lot of stuff. They were the Herculoids. They were yes. space ghosts. Like, I had a Batman action figure. I just cut the ears <laughs> off one day. I was like, this motherfucker is now space ghost. Exactly. I took a Mundo Geeko um, Ninja Turtle because they would not buy me no Alien Xenomorph figures. So I'm like, okay, this motherfucker could be painted spray painted black. He is now a goddamn Xenomorph. I'm like, he's now alien. Because <laughs> I'm like, and the, we ain't paying no 30 some odd dollars for no damn Bat Cave and no damn Ninja Turtle sewer. The big ass cash living room became um, the Bat Cave. I sat there and went to school and painted and made some little computers and stuff like that and had this shit lined up across the couch. I said, you all not going to do this to me. An empty box was everybody's headquarters. Yes. Exactly. Empty box and some markers. And Trinica didn't play with her little kitchen set, the little pop-up kitchen set. I said, you don't need this no more. So I spray-painted that bitch black. It became the Ninja Turtle Center, um, Bat the Bat Cave and Jurassic Park headquarters because her, the stove popped open, fell down, and all my cars came out of it. <laughs> and then the, the, the detachable microwave was like a little helicopter, so shit like that. I was like, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this shit work. And y'all are not going to do this to me. But yeah, I think that, you know, and I tried, I was asking begging for my sister my brother to have like a little boy but I know that you, you just gotta you get what you get you know what I'm saying so cause I said I'm going to spoil the fuck out of y'all sons because I want that child I want that boy to grow up and realize there's no restrictions to life the girl too though but I am I am that's why my sister we had an argument the other day she has way too many toys. I said, with Trunk, and she she has a dollhouse now. And uh, I go there and get my little my niece. I said, it's too much shit in your dollhouse. You need to throw half the shit away. This is a nice dollhouse. Keep it that way. But Uncle Boo, I mean, 
they're not allowed in the house. They're not only the Disney princess are allowed in the dollhouse. I'm like, oh, excuse me, then shit. <laughs> she said, if Barbie or any of the others come in, they have to stay. They have to sleep on the on the balcony Whoa. or in the attic. And the attic is where they have like Cinderella. With the with the <laughs> you got like I'm like damn star she said she, she already segregating people and shit I'm like well she got rules she got rules <laughs> she got rules all rules. right before we before we completely head off into romper room <laughs> <laughs> I want to do this last subject um issue for ESPN a couple weeks ago and. Ezekiel Elliott was on the male version. He is a football player. Fine as a mofo. Sure mm-hmm. You don't know. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's a wonderful picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and a number of, 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 of black cis men's masculinity. Mm-hmm. To Twitter. This was an outrage. Dude, why I gotta see a naked motherfucker on my timeline? I, 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 I'm, I'm not here for this. This is this is some gay shit. Uh-oh. I don't play sports. Then. I gotta follow ESPN now. Uh, Assets. How do they make it in the sport? How do they make it in the shower room? When they get rid of. They play their sports. I mean, how do they make it in life? Exactly. But I mean, they get through playing their sport. They go into the showers. They say, hit the showers, and this ass is walking all around the goddamn place. They hey, you can play, watch. They, they do this. They can but, do that on their time. But, but wait a minute. Isn't this a double standard when it comes to oh, women? God, yes. Of course. When it comes to women, they love to see them half naked in the swimsuit issue or naked period and they have no complaints whatsoever so let's put a guy on the cover that is naked and all of a sudden it's some gay shit and this is my so thing in, in other words women have no right to you know will enjoy it too but women have no right to be able to see the the, the opposite of what men see is this some gender bullshit that's all it is that's I all mean, it is if you think about what you see on TV, it's commonplace to see a guy walk around maybe just with his shirt off, but and you know nobody when they talk about like I see they say do a sex scene, right? You may see all of the woman, but you may only see at the most his butt. If you see that, mm-hmm. you know, if you see um, that, they right? They've always sex a lot. Okay, they'll take take two women kissing. Nobody mm-hmm. bad tonight. You can see that on TV. You can see that in a in a, in a strip show. No yeah. matter you can, you will find two find at some point they're gonna have two women kissing, right? No heterosexual normal yes. in danger there. Um, but the second uh, two male dancers are on the stage at the same time, or one touches the other one, gives another one a look longer than ten seconds. There's a problem. just holding hands. Just holding hands. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because this was the most hilarious bullshit that I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. Two seasons ago, I think, there was an episode of The Walking Dead where one of the characters they had introduced had been searching for this guy, this guy mm. ran with. Oh, and yeah. 
when they embrace and kiss that this guy is his boyfriend. And middle America lost their minds. But this is what they said the most. This show was my children. And I was not prepared to see all that. How many arrows through the motherfucking eye? Mm -hmm. How many shotgun blasts to the face (laughs) have I seen on this motherfucking show? That's just the and it's a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, blood going violence is like apple pie here in America. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can see somebody getting brutalized, mutilated, all of that. And it's like, oh, that's 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 family friendly. You know what I'm saying? Well, I said, so if he had found him and raped him, that would have been acceptable. That would have probably been more than because hey, they were about to borderline rape Carl. And that exactly. Ain't nobody talking about that. You know what I saying? was not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> what was about to happen in that episode. It was about to go down. They rape that boy. But I you was know, like, no, sir, man. I'm about to say a couple of things real quick. So, like me, as a gay man, okay, I've lived my entire life, all right, seeing women be overly sexualized, not only in, in television, in film, but in cartoons, in video games. I can't, I can't turn on the TV. I can't even walk outside without women being sexualized, titties, butt, breasts, all in my face. Comic books. Comic books everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, there's so many dynamics with that. But me as a gay man, I understand that's part of the culture. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not faced. <laughs> and what irks me so much is that you get these straight men, you know what I'm saying, who are so caught up, you know, in their, their own form of privilege to some degree, where it's like, they can't tolerate it. And my whole thing is that if you don't get off on it, you know what I'm saying? If you don't feature this, this is not something that you're uh, attracted to, why are you even bothered paying attention to it and talking about it? Because like I said again, I see straight couples all day. You know, this is one of my biggest arguments about my life as a gay man. Like I can go out here on the street, you know, I can see straight couples holding hand, kissing, rubbing, fondling, whatever. You know, almost fucking. Almost fucking. Almost fucking. But if I'm out here and if if I just hug a guy, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's too much. You're doing too much. You know what I'm saying? We don't want to see none of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't even, I can't even date publicly in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, I have to, because I have to be concerned about, oh, I might offend someone who's straight. You know what I'm saying? And it's just this huge bias, you know, that's insane, you know? Uh, on top of the fact that we're talking about the violence, and this is another thing too, we have a huge issue with nudity, just period. Sex, yes. just period. Oh my and God, yes. Sex and nudity to me is natural, okay? Like, it's, we all do it. You know, it's a part of life. That's how we came into the world. That's how we yeah. came into the world. Like, women can't even breastfeed their children yeah. because, oh, that's too much. We, we don't want to see just, a bear just titty. look what happened with Janet Jackson in Timberlake. Uh, that was just amazing. I, I was like, wow, America actually has finally got over the fact that, you know, tits are okay. Next thing you know, it blew up. Because I was like, can I see the other one? Right. <laughs> they didn't even her career. And I'm sitting up here, it was just a titty. It was they were sitting there for a fraction of a second. <laughs> second. And that goes back to my dad called me as soon as this shit happened from now. He called me, did you see that? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I saw it, Dad. I'm not gonna lie, I was excited. I'm like, oh shit! And then I was like, damn, 
But yeah, the next day, somebody in Knoxville actually filed a class action lawsuit saying that her the titty injured her eye. <laughs> and I was like, y'all find me this bitch so I could go and cuss her ass out. I'm like, you're not gonna sit here and sue this A woman. black titty was in my house. <laughs> That's what she literally said. And I'm like, this is fake, right? It will never be the same again. Yeah, my life has, it's over. And I, saw, much- I saw a black tit. That's pretty much how she said it. She didn't say she just left out the word black, but that's what it was. <laughs> Ali and um, Derek just said was pretty much what's with her statement. And I sat there and said, y'all see this shit right here? Like, I mean, damn, like for real. Yeah. But, but but I feel like that's like this whole hangout is revolved around like, you know, hyper-masculinity, toxic forms of masculinity. Um, and we've kind of like peel back so many different layers. And this is just another layer, you know, yeah. when it comes to the depiction of, you know, men, the 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 male new body, how, you know, I get I guess like it, once again, we have kind of slightly progressed in terms of how men are seen, um, how they are uh, able to kind of express themselves, you know, you know, show their bodies, embrace their bodies. There has been like slow uh, movements, you know, going forward. But overall, it's still an issue because like, you know, again, like I would say maybe 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, um, if you were a guy, you know, especially in certain communities, you know, your clothes had to be baggy. You couldn't wear anything fitted. You know, you couldn't really show any skin. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to see straight men, gay men, all above, like, you know, Wear clothes that are more fitting, showing a little bit more body, loving their bodies. You know what I'm yep. saying, which is really important. Um, but still, there's there's a lot of work that still needs to be done because I feel like at the end of the day, a reason why we have so much toxic masculinity that we're is because that we're constantly told by media, by people in our community, even on a cultural level, that the male body is something that can't be it, like it's something that we shouldn't. Um, like embrace, oh, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that's a problem, you know, because like again, going back to the whole, I guess, purpose of M three, you know, M three is a space where bears of color, black bears, can be seen, can be visible, you know, where we can be welcomed and valued. And the thing of it is, is that just like women deal with, uh, you know, uh, uh, fears and 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 uh, what's the word I want to use? Insecurities. Yeah. Yep surrounding their body, um, the same thing comes with men. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're a larger size guy, I mean, basically how society tells you should be walking around ashamed every day, or you shouldn't look at your body as being attractive. I'll say that. Well, just just look at what happened with Vin Diesel about a year ago, um, that he was, a picture of him was taken that he wasn't in top shape and condition, and they tried to body shame him. Did mm-hmm. anybody remember that? And also, uh, the yeah. thing that is going on right now with uh, some pictures of the Dark Knight of uh, Batman or oh, Batfleck, Ben okay. Flex, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, has anybody seen the package that he's carrying? Like, no. Oh, uh, Batman has package now. <laughs> There's a big controversy about that. You need to look it up because uh, everybody's complaining that his his crotch is too big now. Well, Lord, he's a little bit of that packaging gone, girl. For a second. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, did I see that? I can't remember. I need to go back and watch that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like literally from a practice. 
But no, that's crazy because, I, like I said again, I mean, I feel like, you know, for women, for men, um, we should be able to fully embrace our bodies, clothed, nude, you know, because, I mean, it's, it's natural. You know what I'm saying? The human body is natural. And I feel like especially for men who don't fit into the Tyson Beckford, you know, uh, Tadix, Chris Brown formats, like, we should really have – a space where we can be seen and we can be visible because yep. this is one thing I will know. And this, this kind of leads into something else slightly, but I just want to say this real quick. And I think we talked about this before. Um, you know, I went through all kinds of different phases in my sexual attraction to men, you know, like when I first kind of started to kind of brace my sexuality, just to be very honest, I was more so, um, attracted to white men and the main reason because of that is because all i saw really in porn for the most part were white men for the most part yeah especially white men were like the first porn i ever bought was i can't remember the actor's name oh you're about to say you remember the actor's name (laughs) i i I used to know his name because he was a real big popular guy at the time what, was he a straight for gay I mean, porn star? Brain, the guy in power to him. No, it was a gay porn star. He was, he was straight up gay porn star. Okay. Ali, what was his name? I, I <laughs> gotta give know. him some descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do he look like? You know? Yeah. He did the movie Power Tool. I, I mean, that's all I can do. Oh my god. Ali, <laughs> like I knew I know he all of them. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know. I mean. My my first crush was actually Ron Jeremy. Ron, oh, you know what? Ron, I, rem- I I vividly remember Ron Jeremy because he was so that was nothing like early like early nineties eighties porn or whatever. Like you know, the women had to be like they had to have the huge double t double d titties or whatever. You know, they had to have like uh, almost kind of like a model as type look. Where men, I mean, they could look like just whomever off the streets. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a big concern. But I specifically remember Ron Jeremy because Ron Jeremy was like, he was daddy. He was like your plumber. You know what I'm saying? And he was kind of exotic because he wasn't, he didn't look white. He didn't look white. He didn't look white. And that's one of the things that attracted me to him. I'm not exactly uh, what nationality he's from, but. The first time that I saw him sucking his dick, I was like, oh, they didn't Oh, I forgot about those. Uh, yeah, I think I ran into Suck his own dick? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was another life-changing oh, yeah, moment for me, too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know what porn yeah. it was, but it was some porn. I was like, damn, he makes himself come. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if he's a bottom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And he seemed to be like a really nice guy, too. And that was a whole different thing. Um, yeah. But I was about to say, so like, yeah, early on, it was, it was I was predominantly, you know, attracted to white guys because that's all I saw in porn for the most part. Uh, and then when I started to kind of like actually come out, like this is around when I was 18 and 19 and going to bars and going to bars where like pre- predominantly black gay bars, seeing people like myself, that kind of changed my entire look at who I was attracted to in the community. And I became more so attracted to black men. But one of the challenges that I always had, because when I, when I started to kind of really embrace my body, because that was a whole different you know, experience, uh, and I wasn't yeah. trying to look like the guy who had the six pack or eight pack. You know, I was just accepting my body for what it was. I was having some challenges in finding other guys, especially in the black community, who also embraced larger size men of color. And I felt like a reason because of that is that 
Um, one is like I said, it's very difficult for us to see ourselves, like see other black, bi, gay men, or whatever, um, anywhere. So that kind of I think has some type of, of 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 conflict in terms of like like our attractions or whatnot. But I think even on top of that, I think because when we do get the opportunities of seeing other black gay men, if that's in film, television, porn, whatever, there's typically a certain type, and they're normally the guy who's like relatively skinny, who has probably like a huge dick, you know, uh, yeah. and also make matters even somewhat worse. They're typically playing like a stereotypical role. They're the thug, jail bait, whatever type, you know what I'm saying? And for me, I was able to look beyond that, but I noticed like a lot of, even when I would like run into like <laughs> other big black men in the club and I'm talking, what's your type? They were talking about like, you know, they were looking for, the uh, Tyrese, they were looking for the Trey Songs, they were looking for the Chris Browns. They weren't attracted to guys like us. They looked at us as just being fat and sloppy, even though they were big guys themselves. But you know, again, I think because of what we, what we, what so much of our community has seen in in, in the depiction of black, you know, um, gay men in media, is this certain type, and I feel like. Sadly, for a lot of us, we feel like we have to adapt to that. Like we have to ba- basically conform to that, you know, and we can't embrace our bodies if it doesn't fit into that. And I think that also applies to maybe even like the black bear community a little bit, too, because I feel like now we're starting to become more visible. But it's nowhere on the same level as the more mainstream depiction of black gay men um, in media. So, it, yeah, it, it was just really challenging for me because I felt like it was hard for me to find other men who are like me, um, who were, who one, loved their own bodies and were also attracted to men with similar bodies. Um, yeah. So, you know, that was just a huge thing in itself. Well, one of the reasons that, you know, for you know, uh, the 20 plus years ago when I did the whole Black Inches thing, mm-hmm. um, one of the reasons for that was because what you said, Chris, mm-hmm. in that magazine, they had two types of men, either those who lived in the gym, mm-hmm. like they needed to eat something. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, okay, there, you know, this is cute, this is cute, I'm glad there's a magazine that features, you know, people that are the shades that I am, but where are the people that look like me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But look at shows like so, Will and, didn't they do that on Will and Grace? Um, Jack was always calling um, the other one fat and talked about his hair, and, and Will wasn't fat. Mm-hmm. Well, but the same thing was with uh, oh that show, uh, Queerest Folks. Mm-hmm. When did you see an overweight person in there? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, one of them dated somebody who was just slightly overweight, and he was huge to them. Right, and they put him down so much. And oh my God, you dating a bear now? Like, right. what kind of yeah. show is this? And that's one of the reasons my, my my husband loves that show. But I could never deal with that show because in my mind they always put people like me Damn. <laughs> um, down. Yeah. Because I wasn't the ideal um, vision of what they found attractive. Same thing happened with the, the fact that they barely ever had any black men in there. Yeah. 
So I never found any rep representation whatsoever in shows like that. That's one yeah. of the reasons why I never watched it. And, and like I said, again, I think, you know, a lot of times we have conversations about, you know, race and uh, preferences and in, in the dating scene for like gay and bi men or whatever. And, um, you know, there's always this question of like, how can you be a person of color um, but have no attraction for other people of color? Like, where does that come from? What is the mm -hmm. root of all of that? And I feel like, again, I mean, I feel like, at least for myself, I'll speak for myself, I feel like I could have easily fell into that, you know, one of those categories because <clears throat> when I first started out, you know, one, I felt that there were no other black gay men outside of myself. That was one. And, it, and there was no way for me to ever be sexually involved with another um, another gay man, it, it, except if they were white, you know? So I had this very kind of like closed-minded view on what my life would be like as a black gay man. And I felt like I had to conform and assimilate to white gay spaces because that was the only space that would even accept me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And if I didn't have the opportunity to step into spaces where I saw other black gay men who were proud of who they were and weren't trying to kind of, you know, conform to like, you know, white gay culture, or whatever, I could have easily been one of those white, one of those black guys who talking about like, you know, on my growler profile, like I don't fuck with black men. I don't fuck with people of color. If you're not white, don't even, you know, hit me up or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not knocking that because I know there's there's a lot more. You know that leads to that, but but still, I feel like that's part of the problem. Like when you don't see yourself. I worked, Go ahead. I worked with a guy like that. Mm -hmm. I worked with a guy like that once, um, and you know, I just asked him one day. I was like, so because he was like, I just he, he was like, Derek, I just I don't find black men attractive. I just don't find them attractive. And I said, well, when you look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. What do you see exactly? Do, do you not do you not see an attractive man mm -hmm. in the mirror? Because you are a black man, you cannot get away from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that is a very good question. And and also, it comes down to self worth. A lot of people put themselves down because oh, I cannot change this for myself. So why not change it with you know, with dating somebody that is completely different from me? Yeah. Um, I always, I'm not, I have not always been equal opportunity. I have to say that because mm -hmm. when I first uh, started coming out to, in the in the gay community, mm -hmm. uh, the approach that some men of color had towards me, I didn't like. Yeah. And that turned me off because it was like immediately, oh, you're going to do this. It's like, excuse me, I'm going to do what? Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> And that, to me, was a big turnoff. But once I put my mind at ease with who I was, because I had a lot of in, internal self-hatred because of my religious background. And growing up in Puerto Rico in a culture where being gay is about the lowest thing that you can do. Having yeah. dealt with who I was made me a lot more comfortable to be able to accept others that were like me uh, and yeah. that made it a lot easier um, as in the porn industry I always was trying to get other black men involved and mm -hmm. that always panned out that it never worked out well mm -hmm. uh, the only one that I ever um, that was that ever approached me about doing porn and did porn but I never got 
involved with him is Tony, Tony Banks. And thank God, you know, he, he worked out very well for him. But, you know, like I told him, make sure that you do certain things, protect yourself at all times, and make sure that your self-interest is the first interest, not their interest. Because they couldn't keep, you know, they couldn't care less of what happens as long as they get the film that they want. Right. So, you know, just be careful, not, not putting down the industry, but unfortunately you have to make sure you protect yourself at all times. Yeah. All right. So I love these conversations. They get way off topic. (laughs) (laughs) I was still on track. With a question that I received from a young man. Um, and I told him that I would ask this question on air and hopefully he's watching <clears> or he will watch him. He can get an answer. That Do we have a name? Um, he have a name. He did not want me to share his name. Okay, we'll so Tom. let's call him Tom. Hi, Tom. Let's call him Tom. We're here for you. So Tom has recently started dating men. It's like 2223 in that area. And he's gone, he's going out with this one guy. Um, the guy's a little older than him. To the movies, the guy won't sit next to him. They have to have that, that space in between. That space in between. And mm. um, older, and no, none of that public shit. No kissing, and when they go to whenever they go out to eat, they always have to pay separate. Not because the like sometimes the guy will give him the money ahead of time, but they always have to get separate checks to you know so it doesn't look like they're together. Mm-hmm. And so Tom asked me if you know asked me if he thought this was something that he could stick with would get better or you know if he needed to move on and I know what I tell him but Tom's age so you know and 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 it it was interesting this question came up because this feels like a masculinity Um, so I'm putting this out to the panel for Tom. Oh. What are your thoughts? And Mark had his hand up first, mm-hmm. and emphatically. So I'm going to go to Mark first. I'm going to say this, um, Tom. I'll be honest with you. I used to um, entertain that type of um, behavior. You know what I'm saying? Because I get it. You know, I was in that same mind frame too. Like I would come up with game plans to go. You know, I even try to date guys that. If I found out that they were also gay but in the closet, that they would not give off that we're together. You know what I'm saying? But that got to the point where I got tired of that. It became selfish on their end. And if you both are on it, it's gonna be, what I'm trying to say, it's going to become a time when one of y'all can get tired of playing, you know, like, you know, um, 
hide and go seek. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to y'all's relationship or whatever y'all trying to uh, accomplish here. So if you get to that point when one of y'all becomes tired, y'all have a conversation, and one person wants to continue doing with going with it, and the other person does not, that's gonna be the 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 um the split. I'm not saying it's gonna happen like so soon, but it's going to eventually happen. You gotta make a decision on what you want to do, especially if you really if you really care about that person. You know what I'm saying? Because now, because I had a similar situation where this guy didn't even want me to come to his job to um, see him. He works at an Apple store, so you know I'm. That's two things that I would like, you know. So and he was just nervous for me to come to the parking lot. And the nearest Apple store is in Memphis. So it was just like, what do you want me to do? And so, and I got to the point where I can't do that no more. I can't be sitting there like um, <coughs> hiding and trying to beat around the bush and, you know, try to make up plans where none of us, nobody will be able to see us because. I might want to post a damn selfie me having dinner with a friend and mm-hmm. you might take that as like they might think we're together and I'm like look I'm trying to have a take a picture if I can't take a goddamn picture what's up my plate and the person I'm eating it with <laughs> that's a problem you know what I'm saying so it just it, it's going to get to the point where it might be okay it might work out now but when the feelings start setting in and y'all want to take it to the next level somebody's not going to budge then yeah, that's when it's gonna probably. I'm just saying it's gonna. It's not. It's not a matter of if. It's gonna be a matter of when. Yeah, yeah. That's why I got. I'll leave. I got a a, a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, okay. If I can, if I can answer them, I will. Okay. Um, are they intimate? Yes. It can get back to dude's house, whatever you know. Everything works out Clothes well. Clothes come off. The- yeah, there we And the other thing is. It's just out in public. All right. And the other question is is this in New York? Is this in some rural, rural America where it might not be seen as appropriate for two gays to be together? Where they can actually this be hurt? This, this is in the Windy City. This is in Chicago, oh. Illinois. Chicago, okay, so, so we're talking Chai Town. All right. The south side of Chicago. So there might be a possibility of retribution uh, due to sexualizing uh, someone for being gay. Uh, so that is a little bit of a cop out, per se, uh, okay. in, in my opinion. <clears throat> but the thing is, you also have to remember that some people because of their religious background, have issues with being able to express their emotion at certain points. The question is, how long in the relationship have this been going on? If he has been for a long period of time and he has not changed, the conversation needs to happen to see where you actually stand with this person. Because if it's not going to change... Uh, towards a way where you can actually be more together is really going to split you apart. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's that's all I got. So to me, I would be interested in knowing if this person is. Um, I'd be kind of interested in knowing if this person is uh, married or otherwise involved. Um, that's a good question. Thomas saying is married or involved. 
the one that has a problem with you know letting people know like you know pain. No, because they go to dude's house. As far as I, it's, again, as it has been explained to me, I, I have questions. Of, anything. <clears throat> going to the house, I mean, I hate to say it, that don't mean nothing. She's traveling. Let me say this. Let me do my disclaimer. First of all, what we're saying is our opinions. We're not giving you advice or telling you what to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. For the legalities of it all. <laughs> um, secondly, I think as you get older, you're going to start to figure out and learn a little bit better about what you are willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept. And I would not, in the the current time or even in the near future, hope to see this situation change. And if that's what he's banking on, then I don't recommend that because, I mean, this person is most comfortable with you all's relationship as it is in the current situation. That's kind of where they are with that. That's where they are, not just with the relationship with you, but also in dealing with their sexuality and what people know about it. And then you also got to keep in mind that just because one person pays the check out of the two of you doesn't necessarily imply that you two are in a relationship or that you're sleeping together or anything. Friends do things like that. One person says, I'll buy the drinks this time, you get the drinks next time. These things do happen. It's not an uncommon thing for one male person to get the um, the check. So if you if he's gotten to this place in his life where he's um, so, I guess, worried or concerned uh, about it that he won't even let you sit next to him or... Um, you have to get separate checks. And I, I think you're looking at a very um, distorted viewpoint of the world by this person. And you have to think to yourself, is this something you're really going to be able to live with? Because that's what you're, you're saying, is you're going to have to stay with this and live with this. And is that is something you're going to be able to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Just to add on to that real quick, and I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, and this is just my personal opinion, you know. Um, for me, I feel like, number one, you should never do anything that you don't feel comfortable with. So I would never encourage someone to put themselves in a position if they don't feel comfortable or ready to take that step. With that being said, though, I feel like if you're in a relationship, if it's a friendship, if it's a marriage, any type of connection you have with another person or just any time that you're living your life, you can't live your life for someone else. You can't. I guess, stress um, in determining how you move forward in life, worrying about what other people are thinking. Mm-hmm. I feel that leads to just an unhealthy, not only like in a healthy relationship, but in a relationship. Oh, that's me? I'm hearing like some buzzing. I, I, I hear it too. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. I don't hear any buzzing. It was just for a second. It, it stopped now. All right. I think we're good now. But I mean, in short, I just feel like you can't live your life for anyone else but yourself. And I feel a lot of what I'm hearing is that, you know, this paranoia, this warrant, this concern that somebody might suspect we're dating, you know, because we're, you know, sitting next to each other, whatever. Like, again, I feel like if you're not ready to, to, to fully be out or just if you're not ready to just kind of 
really, I just want to say just to live your life. Then I, I could guess, I could guess, I could kind of see that. But at the end of the day, I feel like eventually, um, speaking for myself, I guess, uh, it, you just have to come to a point where you're like, you know what, regardless of what assumptions or suspicions that might pop up around us being out together, like the most important thing is if I'm happy and the person that I care about is happy. You know what I'm saying? And it has to be like, I feel like eventually you have to kind of work towards that point because otherwise I, I just don't really feel like you can ever be fully satisfied um, being in a relationship or just loving and embracing yourself. If you're concerned about every little move you make, you're worried about, Oh, what if someone's thinking if they, what if, what if they're trying to clock us or whatever? Like, I mean, to me, I feel like that mindset alone is unhealthy and it will lead to an unhealthy relationship as well, too, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I just feel like at the end of the day, you have to live for yourself. Um, I mean, do when you feel comfortable, like don't rush into it, but you just have to get to a point where you're not stressed about things like this. Because people are going to always make assumptions regardless. I don't care if y'all are sit, yep. sitting at separate tables, you know what I'm saying? Someone like, hmm, what's going on here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't stress about that. You know, they're sending hand signal. What's happening? Right. <laughs> well, I, I, I told him I would, I would ask, and so I did, and I hope that this helps him. Um, I will say this: five, ten years ago, I was one of those, you know, let's have a seat between us at the movies, people, and it had nothing to do with people assuming that we were together. It's because, bitch, I want to put my arm. <laughs> my arm, and I need to rest it, and mm-hmm. I can't be resting it if you're resting it. But you know, the movie theaters have changed now, and they've got the big plush seats, and there's plenty of armrests for everybody. So next to me, it makes it easier for me to whisper to you during the movie. You know, when I see some bullshit happening, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. First, the rest. You know, again, this is why I wanted to pose this to a group because, as a twenty-something-year-old, things that things are different priority to mm-hmm. someone who is forty-five. <laughs> yep. And I don't give a fuck what people are. Yeah, but you said they were. You said that the person in question is twenty-seven. He's I think somebody older. I think the thing that no, the person the, the Tony. Let's say Tom. Tom, sorry, Tom is twenty three, and he's dating someone that's older. I don't know how much older, but I know it's like years older. Mm. Even still, I still feel like you know. I gonna, I'm not gonna say that because I kind of see what Xavier was saying. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna leave it alone. I think it gets to the point of the matter of like, I'm pretty. Sh- you might some everybody might be at a different level of like their experiences and stuff like that. Come that I, I respect that. But like the person I was talking about for myself, they told me that they've been doing messing with guys ever since they were like 10 or like 11 or some shit like that. And they they were the initiators, but they still was like had this code of like, you know, I don't want to anybody to know that I fuck with dudes. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure if you that's deaf in it, I'm not saying that you they, that people know. But it wouldn't be that much of a big deal. I, I, I'm not, but then again, I'm not gonna say that. Either. I'm gonna take that back. Look, go, go ahead and take it because I just feel like <laughs> there should be a certain time that you should like 
not give a damn about what people. If you got your own place, you pay your own bills and all this shit. I'm not saying that you should, but it just seems like who who gonna fight you on who you want to be with? You know what I'm saying? Right. That's how I feel. But I'm I'm sorry. Nothing to apologize for. All right. Um. So we will end out as we always end out with you know any news announcements, anything happening <clears throat> they wish to share. Okay. Well, I guess I go first. Um. Next this weekend, we're starting Wednesday officially. Will be Comic Con. So Ooh, if you yes. one of them. Let's say like this: If you're one of them people who think that which Comic Con, Mark, you San Diego specific Comic Con, mm-hmm. okay. you're right, you're right, the, the big largest, one, the largest in the country, the big one, Comic Con. Yes. <clears throat> um, if you're one of them people who are like, when well, you post too much, let yeah. me tell you something. You just don't follow my black ass to come to week. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I like to post. And discuss what the fuck is going on in the world of geekdom yeah. with my friends. You know what I'm saying? I'm so every time, it. yeah, we all are here okay. for it. Mark, could you pause it for a minute? Pause what? Pause, pause it for a minute so I can do a, 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 a reiteration of what you just said. In other words, guys, <laughs> you can suck it. Uh, basically, if he's yeah. posting too much, come and see me. All right? Uh oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ciao. Thank you. <laughs> well, I do appreciate that. No, I'm, I'm just saying in general because I saw a tweet earlier this week, a tweet or something like that, asking about people post too much, though. But that's a topic for another day. But the thing of the matter is that Comic Con is here. This past weekend, D23 was going on in um, Florida, and they showed some information about. Ooh, um, they showed up about a slick trailer for Infinity War. Yeah, yes, I saw a couple reactions. Yeah, <laughs> I hope that they give us a taste of that next week during Comic Con. Oh, please, oh, I, this is real quick on that too. I, I get <laughs> that there is a method of how. These film studios work, especially when these conventions and conferences, and they, they want to kind of keep things somewhat private. But this is 2017, okay? This is the age of, child, if you do anything in life, it's being documented and it's being tweeted about it every millisecond. You know what I'm saying? So what's irking me now is that, yeah, at this D23, this Disney thing they had going on, they showed this little sneak peek at uh, Avengers Infinity War. They had some footage of um, Incredibles 2. They had all this footage. And I'm like, okay, y'all might think no one captured or recorded that shit, but it's going to get out. That's number one. Second of all, it always does. Second of all, I've watched at least about five, six videos where geeks went into great detail about every frame, especially that Avengers Affinity Wars trailer. So I already know what happens. So just show it to us. Like this is not the damn trailer. <laughs> this show, and I think it's very elitist, Chris. That it is. But people, you know the motherfuckers who give who who gives y'all these damn billion dollar blockbusters and shit. They're not gonna all fit to that goddamn. Give them you know something it. to look up for, cause it just seemed like you know, like they did this shit a couple of years ago. <clears> like, well, the trailer for Batman vs Superman leaked, and you know we're gonna have to finish. Okay, am I mean shit? <laughs> um, that's what you get for trying to sit there and be elitist with the goddamn shit. You exactly. get it? But we we went through with um we went through with everything in terms of like post production. 
bullshit. <laughs> if you was confident enough to show that shit during Comic Con, which is there where people have paid hundreds of dollars, these ain't no studio executives. Like, waiting in line for five hours. Five hours, you know what I'm saying? Hot and sweaty and shit. Just and, to see and, a two minutes of trailer. Just see a two minute trailer, but you know it just. But I'm gonna be reporting oh. from. Yeah, I'm just saying, and so, uh, but at the end of the day, we're gonna be reporting for Comic Con. We're gonna also talk about the um, D23 information, and um, they didn't have no Black Panther. Go ahead. I'm about to say the Emmy announcements too. Like Emmy announcements, Black Ex- Black Excellence all around. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody said the somebody said the cast of Atlanta pulled up at the Emmy nomination that Invisible Car. Cause you know <laughs> they got up there last year for an Emmy, but they were still eligible for this year for an Emmy. Right. <laughs> They showed up and it was like, yeah, give it a nomination. Thank you. Bye. They're going to drive on off. You know what I'm saying? But, and also, finally, we're also going to break down Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time trailer. Mm-hmm. This shit here, my chest, like, oh, Jesus, this shit looks yeah. so good because it was it's a beautiful <laughs> ass trailer. Fair warning, I have not read the book, but I just went and bought all four of the motherfuckers, and oh, I'm wow. going to sit there and burn through all of them. Oh, I didn't wow. buy them. Somebody donated to the library. <laughs> I'm stick it to my back. But, you know, uh, <laughs> because we got all of them already. We got all the books in the library. I'm like, well, we're not going to be right here, so I'm just going to take these home. Thank you. <laughs> and white folks probably knew what the deal was. Like, well, they just sat there and changed all of that around. So we're just going to just turn the books into the like, we're just not going to want to read this anymore. <laughs> That's fine. Give it here. I have a niece. I got a school. So, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, we're going to have a jam packed show this coming up Sunday. Uh, Comic Con Extravaganza's third annual. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> just be looking out for that. Yes. Anyone else? Um, Go ahead. Just released the latest episode of the M3 Gamer Podcast. Um, it should be on the M3 YouTube channel, and we discussed uh, everything from the Castlevania Netflix series. Uh, we talked about um, Doomfist or Diddy Doomfist in uh, Overwatch. Uh, we discussed diversity in gaming and a representation of diversity in gaming. Um, so it's a full packed episode. That's on the M3 Gaming YouTube page. Also, um, tonight is a big night. Um, Game of Thrones returns. Um, find you a way to watch it because I'm trust it will all be spoiled as soon as it airs. I'm gonna be talking about. I know Mark. Well, Mark, you don't even watch the show. He doesn't watch the show. We'll be okay. But we'll I'm just saying okay the spoilers. You know, spoilers are gonna be out of control because I don't think like any of this, like any of the episodes leaked. I think <clears> last <throat> season a nope. lot of the Game of Thrones episodes leaked ahead of time, but people are gonna be watching this like fresh for the first time. So that's gonna be oh, yes. tonight. So yeah. So yeah, that's about it. All right, so I guess it's my turn. Mm -hmm. Well, I am gonna be involved in Kinkfest, Kinkfest, which is gonna be on the 23rd of July, which is gonna be next weekend, and it's gonna be a very important um, event for for me because we're gonna be discussing race in the leather community. Uh, Derek is pretty familiar with what's been going on with. my club, uh, there was a scandal that happened um, uh, during Pride where one of our members got accused of um, attacking a person of color. The thing is, the person that actually did it has not come forward. 
and uh, it has been a big deal in, in the leather community, but we're trying to create a way to go through this uh, in a healthier manner, and we're hoping uh, to join in with our brothers of Onyx uh, and many other uh, leather organizations and non-leather organizations uh, where we're going to be talking about what's going on with people of color uh, in the gay community because uh, right now things are not in a good place. Uh, and this is some a conversation that needs to happen and I'm going to be in the middle of it. So. Yay. Will that, will that be broadcast? That I do not know. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to cover it. Uh, if it's if it's allowed to be broadcast, uh, it will be. Uh, but at this point, I do not know. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people that I'm hoping that show up, and I hope that the conversation is civil, uh, and that we can get somewhere because the way that all this has happened, as you, as you will know. Uh, Derek has been the person that I've been talking to about this whole thing because uh, we have the, the leather connection uh, and he's also a member of Onyx, so I know exactly, uh, he knows exactly what I'm going through. Uh, and uh, he has been a, a lot of help and I, I appreciate everything that you have done behind the scenes. Uh, and once this soul laid out i'll be more uh, open in discussion so this is probably something that's going to be have to be tabled to another um hangout yeah. but it's definitely going to have to be discussed because it's something that is happening now and it's something that we need to address yeah mm -hmm. i agree all right xavier you got anything Um, I don't, well, it's not necessarily LGBT, but well, yes, it kind of is. One thing is, um, but is next Xavier week I'll be, I'm sorry, Xavier related. <laughs> yeah, I so. I'll be launching next week. Um, my psychoeducational group It's one of the first ones Georgia's ever done with forensic individuals. Um, and it's kind of computer expressions, and so they'll be learning different things on the internet on the computers and so it was adopted by the um, Georgia Department of Mental Health a couple of weeks ago. So that'll be launching and be the first one ever done in the state of Georgia. So I'm kind of excited about that. That's um, good. Something I'm kind of I guess starting to study. Um, working in correction, I've come in contact with a lot of immigration and so I have talked to some of these guys and I've been they've been telling me stories about why they left their countries and the reasons why they can't go back to their countries is because they're gay and their countries will kill them. Mm -hmm. so then their countries will kill them. And I know we brushed up against that topic a few times, but never really had a truly in-depth conversation about it. And I talked to a colleague and she was asking me, what can we do for him? And I was like, well, because of his immigration status and because of a couple of other things, really there's nothing we can do for him. He's looking like he's gonna get deported. Um, and that really sucks, you know, to know that yeah. this man is going back to a country that will effectively, if it ever gets discovered, or if it's already a known thing, that if he's gay, they're probably going to try to kill him. Um, yeah. 
And so I kind of want to spend some spend some time this week and maybe in the next couple of weeks, kind of doing some research and some studying on that particular issue, and be able to have a lot more dynamic conversation on M three about it, especially considering we do have people who view us in other countries. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to get some perspective on that. One. Will it be some? Will it be like will anybody be recording it, or will it be you know filmed or anything, or is that gonna be like a live thing, or any of these for for any of them, like any of them, like like when you when you put in my because I know Raymond, well, a friend of ours, you know, he usually does events. He has somebody live feed them and stuff like that and stuff. So, uh, yeah, they definitely will be. Probably will okay. present them. Probably start presenting the information on the M three Life Group. And then expand it into the uh, Sunday hangout. Awesome. Cool. I look forward to that because that is really important. Um, What do I have? I don't have much of anything, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Thank everybody who showed up today for the hangout. I apologize to all you guys because normally I am really on point with and I just got back from vacation, and I'm still like part, I left part of me there, and it's waiting to catch up. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, but with that, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for giving us a couple of your hours this Sunday. We will look for you next week when Mark brings us all the entertainment news from SDCC. Oh and yeah. Emmy's not so white anymore. That needs to be. (laughs) Emmy's tan. Emmy's so tan. We can do so tan. Yes, yes. Thank you all. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to the M3 Bear Essentials podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five star review on iTunes or whichever podcatcher you use. And if you would like to get more content from M3, visit MailMediaMind.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, and many others. But most importantly, our link to YouTube, where you can subscribe and get a notification when we go live. There, you can participate in the Q&A and be a part of the conversation. Again, my name is Malcolm Travers, and thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode.